You are listening to the Wisdom for All of Life podcast. I'm Brandon Neely, and this is a part of my teaching ministry at Christ Church of Acadiana in southwest Louisiana. Today, as every other day, we're going to be looking at the wisdom literature of Scripture. And today we are in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. We are immediately drawn to one of the ten summary laws, one of the ten commandments given by God on how to live and how to love and how to do justice toward others. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, this law pertains most closely to how men deal with other men, how man treats man, how man deals justly with his neighbor, And specifically, man is not to render a half-truth, a false story, a lie in testimony against another. This is in all of life, and this is especially in court. Our proverb this morning is the inspired commentary on that particular Ten Commandment. And we see a few things. Number one, let me just go through just a few of these things here. A false witness should be punished. It's no light matter to make a false accusation against another person or to make an evil speculation or to spread erroneous chatter. This is true for an individual, but it's also true of a collection of individuals in an institution like a school or a church or a college or a family or a business. We should reject the compulsion that we have inside of our hearts to revolt, to tear down. This is in us, this revolution impulse, as though through tearing down, we might build up. Evolution teaches us that chaos is the beginning of of life, and that through random chance, we enter into a more progressed and a more mature state. But scripture is clear that paradise does not come from chaos, but it comes from Christ. It doesn't come from tearing down, but from building up. It doesn't come, paradise doesn't come, and shalom doesn't come, and justice doesn't come from revolution. It comes through slow but sure, steady, faithful reformation. This revolutionary impulse to tear down, to slander, to exact justice unilaterally, this we must reject. And in case of law, we must prosecute those who slander. The courts of the church or the courts of the town have a duty to prosecute libel and slander, even if it's on Facebook, even if it's done by um, noteworthy institutions like a news agency. This would certainly make organizations and individuals think twice before they spread allegations as though they are convictions, as though due process has already been thoroughly followed. Unfortunately, in our unjust society, it's very rare that anyone can get a prosecutor to go after a slanderer or a perjurer. If you slander someone, it's almost as though what you say is immediately true and is immediately received by the mobs. It usually has to be followed up with Civil suits. You see, to get any sort of justice from a slanderer, you have to sue them civilly. And that takes loads of money. It takes teams of lawyers. Most of the time, the slander just has to eat it. 
It's a sad state of affairs because it makes for an entire segment of the population that's simply besmirched. Their name is just simply run through the mud. They're marginalized. They're spoken ill against. And that has been wrongly received by the mobs without witnesses, without indictments, without convictions, without due process. And there's nothing that the slandered can do about it. There's no recourse. If you're in a school or a church or a business or a college or a town, think twice before you tear down the leaders or tear down the institution. Are there witnesses? What is the evidence? What even is the charge? Can you articulate the charge? And can you articulate the charge from biblical wording? Are you giving rightful place for due process, for the defense, for hearing both sides? Or are you just acting as judge, jury, and prosecutor, all by yourself, tearing down, condemning, and damaging the hard work and the lives of others who have virtually no recourse against you? This is evil, especially as you take advantage of the simple-minded and the newbies and the rookies around you, those who don't uh, know yet to watch out for your mouth. This is evil. If you're friends with this person or go to their Bible study or work in their office with them, then don't be the duffel pud and just agree. Don't be the yes man. You join in the sin when you refuse to offer the defense, if you can. If you just cowardly go along with it, passively, then you bear the guilt. It's better to ask, well, I wonder what they would say about this. Or, I sure am glad I don't have their thankless job. Or, they need all the support we can give. Or, well, I, you know, I trust my leaders and my natural impulse isn't suspicion and accusation, but I think I'll go to them and talk to them about what you just said. Or perhaps you should call them right now. This courageous action, this defense. This is what justice requires. And we as Christians must remember that Jesus is our advocate. He's our defense attorney. He didn't come into this world to prosecute the world, but he came into this world to lay down his life as an atonement for our sins. Jesus is the defense. The devil is the accusation. The devil is the prosecutor. It's not right for the Christian to take on the tone and the agenda of the devil. In other words, the modern idea of quote-unquote free speech is not in the Bible. This is not from scriptural wisdom. Rather, the Christian is bound in all that they say and all that they do to the law of love, to the law of God, to the law of liberty, the law of loving speech, true speech, necessary speech, just speech as defined by God's law. And this goes for the press. This goes for the girlfriends, this goes for the siblings, for assembly line workers, it goes for all. If we reject this, we reject justice, we reject love. We are no longer treating our neighbor as ourselves, and we are in violation of one of the Ten Commandments. If we reject this principle, each man becomes the judge, and no one has the truth. Each man becomes the judge of his neighbor and the prosecutor, the accuser, the jury, and the executioner. This is tyranny. This is anarchy. This is irresponsible. But submission to God's law, humbly bowing before his law, knowing that vengeance is his, 
knowing that ultimately he will work justice and we can be patient and trust his due process as defined by scripture, this is true freedom. And this is the key to a peaceful and a loving society, organization, family, or business. And true blessing for man, either in the church, the school, the workplace, or the town, it comes through trusting God's law in this matter of bearing witness. In the words of James, So speak ye, and so do ye, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. There is a law of liberty, a law of freedom, and without that law, there is no freedom, only the tyranny over each other. This cannot be. This shouldn't be. So, this morning, would you make a compact with yourself? Pray to God. Ask for forgiveness if necessary. Perhaps you need to confess to another. But let us commit one to another to protect the lives, the marriages, the possessions, and the reputations of one another. Let us reject that revolutionary impulse that destroys what others have worked to accomplish, that tears down. Tearing down never builds up. Only building up builds up. Let us reject this revolutionary impulse and do what God says, working toward reformation. All right. This has been another episode of the Wisdom for All of Life podcast. And before we go, remember this. If Christ has called you to it, and he has given you a call this morning, he'll equip you, he'll protect you, and he'll bless you all along the way. Have a great day.